Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning, Mosaic. Hello, Rowdy, Rowdy side over here. We got the hype squad. Hello, everyone else. Can you please like balance them out a little bit? Are y'all awake? Okay. Live stream, I've already been chatting with you. I know you guys are awake. So excited that you guys are all here. Now, if you missed Terrell's message last week, he talked to us about Jonah, and it was probably a way that you've never heard the story of Jonah explained before. It was really, really good, and he reminded us that God lets us try again and again and again. So if you missed that, if you like laughing while you're learning about Jesus, please make sure that you go back and check out that message. This morning, though, I want to talk to us about how God maybe is trying to show you something, and could you be missing what he's trying to show you? But first, I have some props here. It was my birthday this week. Celebrated my birthday. Yes, thank you. 27. Again, thank you for laughing. I was going to say I was 47, but then if y'all didn't laugh because you believed me, I was going to be really upset, and then the whole, the whole message was going to go downhill from there, so we'll stick with 27. Um, but no, I did grow up actually in the 90s, and kids who grew up in the 90s love talking about growing up in the 90s, right? Anybody grew up in the 90s? Our nostalgia is like legit so much stronger than everybody else's. So I just have a couple things I wanted to show you. First is my daughter's caboodle. This has come back. Caboodles have come back. I did not have one when I was a child, so I'm living my best life through her. Check my lipstick. Okay, all good. Um, we've got some other little things in here. Beanie Babies. Anybody remember these? Yeah. Troll dolls. Whoa. She's seen better days. I think this was a birthday gift for me one year, actually. Um, so we've got those. Now, these, again, are things that have resurfaced, but there are some things that only 90s kids will know. Okay, if you think Space Jam is a brand new movie, I need you to pay attention for a minute because I'm going to introduce you to some things that's going to change your life, okay? This is a cassette tape, kids. That's right. This was actually my very first cassette tape. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music, so Amy Grant is what we had. I would take this to after school, to like childcare after elementary school, with my ginormous boombox, and I would make up dances, and then I would make everyone else watch me do them. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> now we have the cassette tape's big sister. Anybody? This is a VHS tape. This is how you used to watch movies, and way back in the day, before TV was on any time, you could watch anything you wanted, anytime. The day that we learned that we could record a TV show on this giant thing was the best day. Until you got home to watch ER or whatever it was, 
and realized that on your one VCR with your one recording time and your one tape, your sister or your mom had also recorded their one show over your one show, we've, we've, come, we've come a long way. I don't actually, I don't miss these. All right, I have two more. Anybody? Some of you are like, I can't believe you still have this. Yes, I do. This is the original Nintendo. Now, I know you've got some kids. You think a Nintendo is like this little tiny thing that you play with, right? A switch. You can like flip it, flop it back and forth. We used to have to hook this to the TV, the TV that was black and white, by the way. We would have to scoot up really close to the TV to make sure that we were like right here getting Mario up and getting the mushrooms and bopping the boxes and all those things. I had the power pad too, man. Actually, I think I, I let an old boyfriend borrow that. I need to find him and get that back. All right. The last thing that I want to share with you this morning is Magic Eye Book. Yes! Right? Some of these things have come back. Some of these things are like, okay, we've seen them again. But this is one of those 90s things that if you didn't grow up in the 90s, I'm so glad for your reaction on that right now. I'm loving it. Meredith Miller, I love it. This is basically what we're going to talk about this morning, okay? This is a Magic Eye picture book. And what it is, there's lots of images. So see, we've got one that just looks like maybe fish. This is, I don't know if y'all can get this on the camera. This is my favorite one. It's lots of really random, like elementary school photos of kids. And it just looks like a really messed up class picture. It is bonkers. But what happens is if you look at this the right way, there's something hiding in there. There is an image hidden in the depth. Most of them just look like this. They just kind of look like chaos. And I realized as I was having my nostalgia moments, that isn't this just like our relationship with God, right? We look at it and we're like, ooh, colors. It's so pretty or it reminds us of our childhood. We're like, oh, this is a game. It's a game, I wanna play this. And we get drawn in. But then sometimes they're hard and sometimes we can't see them. And then we get frustrated. And then the longer you stare at it, the more other details emerge and you see new little things and you get distracted and confused and you're like, what, why is this so hard? And children, because we used to do these at the mall, where we lived in the 90s, there would literally be crowds of people. There'd be like a huge one of these in every store, on the store window, and just crowds of people just staring there. Like, cross your eyes, zoom out, zoom in, trying to figure out. And so it was really frustrating, as you're standing there trying to see it, and this person's like, oh, I got it. And then this person over here says, oh, I got it. And you're like, I don't see it. Why can't I see it? And sometimes, that's really what your relationship with God is like. You're there, and you're in it, and you're trying to see it, and you're getting a headache, and you're getting frustrated, and you're like, I don't understand why this isn't working, and why everybody else seems to see it, but I can't. See, the truth is, sometimes you can't see these. Sometimes you can't. Some people have a physical, this is them away, some people have a physical limitation where both of their eyes can't focus at the exact same time. If you've ever heard of somebody that has a lazy eye, it's that same idea. How this works, it's called a, oh, I can't find it in my notes. It's called a stereo something. I just lost the word. Um, but what, what happens is your eyes look for patterns. They look for patterns in the depth difference. And so this eye tries to match to a point here, and this eye tries to match to a point here. And as it finds all these patterns, the image starts to emerge. Well, if both of your eyes can't focus, your brain goes, okay, this half, gone, and ignores half of the information that it's taking in. 
and then you can only see what's on the surface. You can only see what's right on the page in front of you, and you cannot see anything that's deeper than that. Now we're like, oh, I see. This really is how my relationship with God works, right? And some of you, if you're honest with yourselves, know that maybe your relationship with God is not working how you want it to because you're only looking halfway at it. See, these magic eye books, even though they're called magic eye, they're not magic. There's a science to it. There's, you don't say magic words. There's nothing magic to make the image appear. And the same is true with, with being a Christian or a Jesus follower. The same is true with having a relationship with God. You don't become a Christian because you said the right magic words. You don't become a Christian because all of a sudden you said the right prayer and then boom, hocus pocus, everything is better. It is a relationship and it works just like any other relationship you'd have with anybody else. It takes focus, it takes time, it takes prioritizing it, sometimes over other things. And I think that God wants to show us something. But some of you know the reason you're not seeing it is because you're not fully looking. You might be praying the words, you might be saying, God, reveal yourself to me, I wanna know more of you, but your heart's not really in it. Or you're asking him for something, you're asking him, hey God, I wanna see you move in my life, I need to see you show up in my life, and then he does, but it's not what you want it to look like, so you just look the other way. Because it's not the thing that you wanted him to see you wanted him to show you. If you only see half of what God is showing you, you may be missing it completely. Could it be that it's not that God isn't revealing himself, it's not that he's not answering your prayer, but it's that you're looking and you're focusing your eyes on the wrong thing. You're grasping for whatever's right in front of you. You are latching on to the relationship that is right in front of you because the only person that you can see as a solution to fill that void in your life. You are listening to any voice that will give you direction, even though you probably know it's not God's. You will listen to any voice that gives you direction instead of waiting on him, waiting on his voice because you're so desperate to do something and to move forward. I think there is something maybe that you want to see, but you're not seeing it because you're not seeing something else. For example, maybe because you're not seeing another person's perspective, you're not finding reconciliation that you want out of a relationship. Because you're not able to see what it is that your child or your teen is actually needing from you, what they're actually trying to say to you, you are just finding conflict with them. And you can't find peace in your home and your relationship. It doesn't have to just be with family or kids either. Maybe you have a stance on something. Maybe you have an idea of, or a belief about something and you can't see the other person's side. You can't understand what it is that they're trying to say and because you can't see where they're coming from, again, just conflict. The relationship is not the same. The friendship is not the same. Maybe because you can't see hope for your future, because you don't see healing, or you don't see a solution right in front of you, you're not finding peace in your anxiety. You're not finding rest. I think there are some of you who are missing your value as a child of God. And because you don't know your value as a child of God, you are walking around in your life under a shadow. 
and it is affecting so much more than you realize it is. And it's easy to brush off and go, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm just not good at self-care. I just, you know, I'm in, I have anxiety. I just have low self-esteem. It is a, it is a much bigger thing than that. You, it, because you don't see how God truly loves and values you. It is affecting every other area of your life. And you are not able to see what God wants to do in and through you. Some of you want to move. Some of you are movers and doers and you want to go places and do things, but you're not because you're still waiting on that thing that you want to see. Some of you want to chase a dream. God's given you a dream, but it seems risky and you're not seeing <clears throat> sorry, how he's going to provide for you financially. So you're not moving forward. You're not taking steps in it. Some of you need to move out of a relationship and you know it. Some of you need to move out of a relationship because you're not seeing another person that God is going to bring because you are not seeing how he is going to take care of you and make it so that you're not lonely and alone for the rest of your life. You just stay where you are. Some of you want to connect with God again. You can feel it deep down in your soul and you know that he is calling you and you know that is where you want to be. But because you can't see how God can detach himself from your past hurts, you won't let yourself go there. Because you can't see how God can detach himself from the last church that you were at or the church hurt or the hurt from the other Christians who shouldn't have treated you the way that they did. You're letting that stop you from getting back into a relationship with him. There is something that you want to see right now. And your intentions are good, but you aren't seeing past the surface because you're only looking halfway at it. Friends, God does not purposely make it difficult for us to be in a relationship with him. It might seem like it some days, but he doesn't. So I have two things today. I have two practical things that I think will help us be able to make it a little bit easier to see what it is that God wants to show us. And so the first thing is you have to look beyond what you can see. See, that's the first step in looking at these images. You have to look beyond whatever this is, right? So what we do is we look at it and we study the details and we're looking for a clue or we're looking for a sign. We're like, what is this little thing over here? Is this something? Is this, a, is this a sign? And we try to decipher meaning from every little bit on the page. But the way it works is you have to change your perspective by looking through it. You have to have the right kind of vision and the right kind of focus for the image to appear. If you only see what you can see, it doesn't work. And you're like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. But neither does this phrase that I'm going to try to tie these two things together, okay? Have you ever heard the phrase, what is it? You miss the forest for the trees. I can't even get this right. Or you can't see the forest for the trees. That sounds the same to me as you can't, you can't see what you can't see. But if we think about it, it makes sense, okay? So the idea there that you, you miss the forest for the trees is that you get so focused on the individual tree, you see one tree and that's all you can see, that you miss the grandiosity of the whole forest. You miss the beauty of the entire forest because you're so stuck on this one tree. You're so focused on the details. And actually, Jesus talks about this in the Gospels. He says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me, and here I am, 
standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. See, Jesus is the forest, and all of the other things that we get caught up in are the trees. And I think it's really easy for us to go, well, duh, like, if Jesus was standing before me, I think I would see him. Like, if Jesus was right here, I'm going to obviously recognize that he's standing there, but he is, and do you? We miss him. He says, he's like, hi, I am right here, and you are missing me because you're making this too complicated, focusing on all the wrong things. You are too busy doing all of the other things, the things that you think will ensure that you will hear from me. And these things are not bad, but it's the Christian busy work that we find ourselves caught up in, the quiet times, and reading our Bible, or posting the right Bible verses, or sharing the right sermon clips having daily devotions, looking for signs, thanking God for every single thing that happens in our life because we put his hand on everything. Some of you sneeze and you're like, oh, Jesus is trying to teach me something. It's just allergies, guys. Like, it's just not. We try so hard because we want to know what God is saying to us. We want to hear from him. We want to see him in our lives so we can just follow his direction and do what he's saying. But could it be that you are missing out on him and what he's actually trying to show you because you can't get out of those details. You can't get out of the day-to-day things that are urgent but not important. At a certain point, even those good things become bad if they take our focus and our eyes off of him. Focusing on God actually means widening your perspective, not narrowing it in. Focusing in on God actually means widening our perspective. It means staying open to other possibilities, not just the answer, you ever done this? You know the answer that you give God when you're asking him for something? You, you pray for a need or you have a want or whatever, and you're like, God, can you please? And here's how to solve it. We ask and answer all at the same time, and then that's the only one thing that we're looking for. Every single week at Mosaic, at the end of our service, we claim that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That that he can do anything outside of our imaginations. But do we actually believe it? Do we believe that there are possibilities that God can come up with that our brains can't? Because if we do, if we truly believe that, What we're saying is, God, I can't fathom how you're going to do this, but I believe that you can. In the Old Testament, you know the story where um, God splits the Red Sea and Moses and the Israelites like walk through on dry land? Anybody know that story? Okay, so right before that happens, the Israelites are all standing there. They've got the ocean behind them and Pharaoh and the Egyptians are coming for them. All right, and that is all that they can see. They are stuck between these two things, and they are freaking out. They're freaking out because they know the Egyptians are coming to take, either to take them back as slaves or to kill them. And they're stuck between these two things. And so they're all on Moses. They're like, please, can you do something? Like, do something. We saw you back doing all of these miraculous things with your staff, that stick. Can you, like, make another plague or make something happen to take them out? Or, like, give us a boat, like something. We've seen you do miracles because all they could see was them coming. Actually, it got to a point where he said, they said, or 
Like, if you're not going to do something, then can you leave us alone? Like, can you go away? Because we'd rather go back and be slaves than just be trapped here and let them come and kill us. And all of this was for nothing. But they didn't know what we, what we know. They didn't know the end of the story. They would have never thought it was a possibility for God to open the actual ocean for them to walk through on dry land. They couldn't see past what they could see. And all they could see was Pharaoh and the Egyptians coming for them. But Moses trusted. He trusted God and he wanted the Israelites to trust him as well. And so he told them, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, these guys coming for you, they're never going to be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. See, God knew the outcome. He knew that he was going to work it out. And Moses trusted that he would as well. He knew, Moses knew, that God was working for their good beyond what they could see. And the God of Moses is still the same God of today. He is still working behind the scenes. He is still working on your behalf. He is still working beyond what you can see. But maybe you're too busy looking for a boat that you have missed the fact that God has split the ocean wide open right in front of you. Maybe you're ready to just go back to what was comfortable, and maybe not super comfortable, you didn't love it, you know you shouldn't be there, but at least those are problems you know how to handle. Maybe you're ready to do that instead of widening your perspective of who God is and what he's actually capable of doing. God wants to show you something, but you have to look beyond and through what you can see to have the bigger perspective that God has for you. All right, so that's first step, right? Second thing we have to do. Here's what happens. My 90s people, you're going to help me out. All right, so the second thing is I need you to stop trying to see it. Specifically, stop trying to complete the image. So when you look at these, when we were standing at the mall, all crossing our eyes and looking around and trying to have the image come through, you finally get the focus, you've like breathed the right way or whatever it is, and it starts to come through. And what happens? It starts to, it starts to form and, and float in front of you. Anybody remember? What do you do? You all remember. You look right at it, right? It starts to come, and so you're like, oh, I see it. And you look right at it, and it immediately disappears. It automatically goes away because you have just shifted your focus back from looking through to looking at what you can see again. Our brains jump the gun to complete the image. And when we try to look right at it and figure it out before it's time, we lose it. So this is what happens when I look at these. I start to see a little piece come through, and I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a curve. Is it like a rainbow? Is it a mermaid tail? Like, what? I have daughters, so these are all girly um, uh, examples. Like, is it a princess-like thing? Oh, it's a horse. Okay, I got it. It's a tail. It's a horse. It's a horse. So that must mean we're on a pasture. We're on a barn. We're on a farm. It's a farm. It's a farm. I got it. I got it. It's a farm. Let's go. And I take off. This is what God does to me or what I do to God, rather, in my real life. I take off. He shows me, he gives me a glimpse, and I'm like, I got this. And I go, and I run fast, and I run hard, and I get everybody, and I'm like, hey, come on, it's a farm. And I tell everybody we're going to a farm, and I say, put on your overalls, and get your straw hats, and do all the things, and let's go. And I 
run so fast and I'm collecting things on the way and I'm so proud of myself and I'm so happy. And then I get there and I'm like, whoo, God, I beat you. Where are you? <laughs> You're not here yet. Also, um, you showed me a farm, but this looks like outer space. So what's happening? Where are you? Why did you change your mind, God? Because you showed me a farm but now I'm in outer space and now I'm not prepared because I didn't prepare for outer space. I don't have a helmet. I'm wearing overalls and I did stuff. I got hay. I got a pitchfork. I collected animals. Do you know how hard it was to pick up pigs? Like I did all these things, but now you're not here. What happened? Why did you change your mind? I asked and you answered. I prayed and you listened and you showed me, but what is this? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you just have to wait for them to finish, whether they're ranting or they're excited about something or they're mad about something, but they're just like on a roll and they're going and going and going and going. Maybe you are that person like me and they're just going and going and going and going and you have to wait for them to finish. They finally take a breath and then you just go, are you done? Are you done? I imagine this is how God talks to me all the time. He's like, Okay, are you, are you done? Because I was going to show you something and you didn't let me show you. I need you to chill and relax a minute and stop trying to complete the image on your own. You might know this verse from Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. It's not as easy as just being still. Does anybody else know being still is so hard? <laughs> right? But some translations have the word still to mean surrender. Be still, surrender, stop, pause, be still, and know. Know that I am God. Not know, not just know in your head. This is not an intellectual acknowledgement of who God is. He says be still and know. Trust me. Know who I am. Trust that I am going to show up for you. Stop. Be still. All that striving might lift you up in religion, but it is keeping you from a deeper relationship with God. Be still. I think this is all God wants some of you to hear today. Stop. Stop. Be still. You can stop knowing that I won't. Stop. Trust me. And if you have the voice right now going, well, but if I don't, who will? And if I don't, nobody else will. Because I've seen this happen. And when I don't jump in, balls get dropped and things don't happen. If I don't do this, I'm going to be forgotten again. I'm going to be overlooked again. I'm not going to get recognized. I'm not going to get picked. I'm not going to get chosen. Be still. God is saying this is not based on your capacity. This is not based on your ability or your knowledge and the things that you know. You can stop knowing that he won't stop. He won't stop working on your behalf. You can work. You can stop striving, forcing things to happen, trying to make things to happen, filling in the gaps, and trying so hard. You can stop exhausting yourself, racing to the end, trying to know things that you can't know yet, or trying to make things happen before they're ready, because he is in the waiting. He is in the waiting, and he hears you, 
and he sees you, and he knows what you want, and he knows what you need, and he also knows what needs to fall away first. He knows who you need to be. He knows the person you need to become before you're ready to receive the things that he wants to show you. And he knows the timing. He knows when it will happen because if God has promised you something, it will happen in his time. God has shown up for people again and again. If we go back to the Old Testament, before Moses and the Israelites, we meet Abraham and Sarah in Genesis. And technically at this point, their names are Abram and Sarai, or Sarai. We're going to go with Sarah, so I don't have to figure out which one it is. God eventually does change their names. And because they are referred to as Abraham and Sarah for most of the Old Testament, that's what we're going to go with today. But Abraham is an important person. He's super righteous. People all throughout scriptures refer back to him as the father of nations. People talk about the God of Abraham. And God had promised him a big promise. God had promised him that he would be a great nation, that a great nation would come from him, that he would have more offspring than dust on the earth or stars in the sky. Apparently that was a good thing. I have two kids, and I'm like, yep, no, thank you. <laughs> I love them. All y'all out there with more than two kids, I don't know how you do it. Two is a handful. I'm like, I got one and two. Dust of the earth, like number of kids, the stars of the sky, can't do it. I'm going to need I'm gonna need more than a boat. I'm going to need help, and I'm going to need a room where I can go hide from all of them. Okay? Thank you. The other part of this promise was his wife, Sarah. And Sarah could not conceive. She could not have kids. She was unable to have children. So this glimpse of a promise, they're already like, mm, okay, we're going to need a little more clarity in the details here, but I'm going to believe you. We're going to believe you. And so Abraham believed God and he kept getting older and he kept believing God and he kept getting older into like his eighties. And then one day he went, oh, right. God, I got you. I know where we're going. You showed me how this works. And so he and Sarah came up with a plan to complete the picture on their own. And they took Sarah's slave, Hagar, and decided she would marry Abraham, she would become a wife, and she would have his children. He, she would start, you know, this great nation. And it wasn't that Abraham stopped believing in God or stopped believing in the promise. He just chose to stop waiting and do it on his own. And it worked because Hagar got pregnant. And so at first they were like, okay, but it didn't take long. That baby wasn't even born yet. Their solution hadn't even fully come to fruition before stuff got messed up. There was suffering in Sarah. Scripture tells us that there was suffering within her. And I can only imagine that it's because she was reminded of the pain of what she couldn't do every single time she looked at Hagar. She was reminded of her insecurities and how inadequate she felt. And so that put conflict between them. All of a sudden, there was jealousy. There was bitterness between Sarah and Hagar to the point that Sarah mistreated her so poorly that Hagar ran away. She was like, I'm out of here. Anything is better than the abuse I'm getting right now. And then even Sarah and Abraham, their, their marriage, their relationship was not the same. It's usually what happens when you introduce another person into the relationship. But there was distance and there was blame 
And Sarah's like, this is on you, you did this. And he's like, well, I don't know, you, you did this too. Like we were all in this together. And all of a sudden there's conflict there. See, Abraham was so intent on seeing the answer. He just assumed Hagar was in the picture and he decided to complete it himself. Now, if we fast forward 15 years later, scripture says at the very time God had promised him, Abraham did have a son. He had Isaac and he had him through Sarah. At the very time God had promised and knew was the right timing, God fulfilled that picture. But now Abraham also had all of this mess, all of this undue stress that he didn't have to have. Maybe you have a situation like this right now. Maybe you're facing something where you can look back and see a choice that you made and how it has affected your life. Maybe you're in a place right now that you never, ever imagined you would be because you can look back and go, oh, right, I jumped the gun here. I tried to control things here. I tried to get ahead of God here. And hear me, nothing that you can do or that you have already done, or that you're thinking about doing, is big enough that God cannot redeem it. He would redeem all of the people in this story. He would redeem Hagar and Ishmael. He would redeem all of them, and he can redeem any mistake that you have made, okay? But what undue stress could have been avoided if we could just be patient? How many relationships could be healthy? How many things could we have decided not to pick up? How much bitterness, blame, anger, jealousy could we have left untouched if we had waited on God's timing? How many times do we get in our own way then wonder why God isn't showing up, why he's not providing, why he isn't there, why it's taking so long, why it's so hard, why we're so tired? There's a passage in Matthew that I don't like because it rubs me the wrong way. I'm going to read it to you anyway. It's in Matthew 11. Maybe you can relate to this. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Every time I read this, I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> it's not me, because this is not easy or light. This is hard, and this is heavy, and I'm exhausted, and I work for you. Like, <laughs> come on. But that's when God has to remind me, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. You're racing ahead. You're trying to control things. Stop, breathe, be still and know. Be still and trust me. Your intentions are good, but the way you're going about it is twisted. It's not my way. Trust me. Trust and control are more connected than I want to think that they are. See, we think we want to control things because we just want to help God. We just want to help other people. We have good ideas and we have good ways. But really, we want to control because we think we know better than God. We want to control because we don't believe that he's going to show up for us. We want control because we don't believe that God actually loves us the way we're supposed to believe that he does. Because we just believe we're super undeserving. 
and there's no way those two could level out. Or we want control because we're afraid God's punishing us and that if we don't do it, he's definitely not to kind of teach us a lesson. We're afraid that he won't complete the picture and that we will be stuck in the waiting with just this glimpse of a promise that will never be fulfilled. God is not holding out on you. He is not holding out on you. He wants to show you something. And he wants you to see it. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. If you're standing at the mall around the poster and you've got all these people around you saying, I see it, I see it, I see it. That has nothing to do with God's promise for you. Nothing. Maybe those people are seeing the image because God's already revealed it to them. Maybe he's already shown them what he has for them. Maybe they've already had their season of waiting and you just didn't know about it. It's so easy for us to look at other people and just assume that God is moving in their lives and not in ours when we have not seen all of the hard and the waiting seasons. So we just assume that we're the only ones that have to deal with it. Deep down, we know that the image is on the page, right? And deep down, I think you know that God wants to show you something. Sometimes it's really hard to see and it might feel like desperation, but it's not. It's hope. It's hope. If you feel tired and stuck in the waiting, if you feel desperate, I'm gonna challenge you that it could quite possibly be hope because if you didn't care that much to see what God wants to show you, then you wouldn't care that much. You would give up and stop hanging on. Romans 8.25 says, So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. We patiently keep waiting. It might feel like desperation, but it's hope because some part of you believes or some part of you really wants to believe that God is for you and he wants a relationship with you and he is talking to you and he is already moving in your life. But something has to change for you to be able to see what it is. Something has to change. What do you need to do? Do you need to ask God for his perspective to see beyond what you can see? Do you need to broaden your range of possibility or ask God to show you where you're getting caught up in the day-to-day, -day, the details that you're stuck in? Maybe you need to surrender your understanding and trust God to do immeasurably more than even the things you can come up with. Or maybe you just need to stop. Just stop, stop striving, stop trying so hard, stop jumping to conclusions, stop rushing and racing through your life and just be still and quiet your mind so that you can find rest and peace and the patience that will help you endure to the end. He is standing right before you today. And today might be the first day that you really actually see him. He's standing right there and saying, I am here. 
and I wanna show you something. What if we did this? What if we were able to do the thing that God wants you to do today so that he can start to show up in your life and change your life? Not just the situation you're praying about, not just the one relationship, but your entire life. See, that's what faith is. Faith is trusting that the image is there and that it's gonna reveal itself. Faith is believing that God is working behind the scenes even when you can't see him. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, for the reminder that you are with us and there are things that you wanna show us. God, I'm reminded of the miracle Jesus did. God, where he spit in the dirt and made mud and made a blind man able to see. And when the Pharisees were trying to come after him and they were trying to trick him into something, God, they went to that man and they were asking him all kinds of questions. And he said, I don't know. I don't know who he is. And I don't know how it worked. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. God, help us to trust you and to have faith that you are going to show us the things that you want us to see. Help us to see the things that you have specifically for us. We don't have to know how it works out. We just have to trust you that it will. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.